Uh, it's my pleasure to be able to introduce to you this morning the director of APS, uh, Janet, if you might mind coming up. Um, she's going to share with you what APS is doing and, and a little bit what the Lord's put on her heart for today, but I'm going to pray for her um, and just ask the Lord to speak through her this morning. Lord, we thank you that you have blessed and strengthened your daughter for this ministry, and we ask for more you would pour over her and fill her with your spirit that the whole world would know the the great blessing that we have of this life that you've given us the precious the precious sanctity of it and lord we pray this morning you'll be honored and glorified and we'll all leave this place encouraged and strengthened in jesus name amen thank you have fun Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Um, I was thinking about coming to St. Luke's and I have not visited uh, St. Luke's before. Um, and I know that there are a lot of people in this room who have been volunteers at Akron Pregnancy Services, staff people, prayer intercessors, board members, and donors. And so first of all, before I get started, I just wanna say thank you I'm sure I have no idea the investment and the commitment that has um, taken place uh, just by people represented in this church today. And so I say thank you and send my love. So this morning, um, in one of the songs it said, it was talking about Jesus uh, being raised from the dead and it said the king of life is um, on the move. And I just love that because the king of life is on the move, um, has been, um, always has been, uh, was demonstrated when he rose up uh, from the grave uh, in new life and continues to be on the move today. Um, and I get the uh, privilege to talk about how uh, that king of life is on the move in Akron, Ohio, um, through Akron Pregnancy Services today. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday, as Pastor Morgan uh, shared with you, and it occurred to me that um, some people may never have even heard of that. And um, January 22nd, 1973, was the year that the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Roe v. Wade and legalized abortion in every state in the United States. Today is actually the 50th year anniversary of that years. So there's um, generations that have not uh, even known uh, the United States without um, uh, abortion, legal abortion. <clears throat> um, as Pastor Morgan also said, it's over 63 million um, people who are missing from our country. That's our brothers, our sisters, our sons, our daughters, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. It's affected many, many of our lives. In 1984, President Ronald Reagan um, set apart this day as Sanctity of Life Sunday, well, it's not always falling on a Sunday, but as the day to remember and um, to be sobered by the decision that was made. 
It seems to me that the year that uh, President Ronald Reagan um, decided to make a proclamation about Sanctity of Life was 1984, and as I've looked back over the history of the, what I will call the pro-life movement, 1984 seemed to be a pretty big year. Perhaps what was happening was a wake-up call in America, and what happened here in Akron, Ohio, was there was a group of people, pastors and individuals, who gathered together, and they had been praying about what should be the church's response to um, abortion in America. And um, I actually know some of the people who were the original um, people who prayed and began um, asking the Lord, seeking the Lord, for what would that look like in Akron, Ohio. Shortly after um, Crisis Pregnancy Center of Summit County came to be, which was our name before it was Akron Pregnancy Services. And it started with a one-room location in the Haven of Rest. And that's how APS uh, began. In my heart, I believe that APS was to be a divine expression of Christ's love on earth a place where women, men, families who were struggling in an unplanned pregnancy or, in, or who were having relational or parenting issues could come, a place where they would be received with open arms and loved with the love of Christ, a place where they would not be judged or shamed, a place where they would not have to be fearful of what their true story was and is, but a place that they could find life and love and Christ and mercy and compassion. That has been the heartbeat of APS for almost 40 years now. And as I said at the beginning, many, many people have come before me who have given their prayers and their life um, and their treasures uh, to continue this work. What does it look like today? In some ways, it looks a lot the same as it looked 40 years ago. We are a place that welcomes men and women and children. Now, um, I like to break what we do into to two parts. The one part is what I call um, pregnancy support and parenting support. That's APS. So when a woman is pregnant, um, we welcome her and uh, the father of the baby, um, her uh, significant other, to come and to receive services at APS. Now that can look like individual client advocacy. Uh, we're all about relationship. Uh, we're um, about relationship, relationship, relationship. We want to get to know the people who come to us. I feel like if we get to know them, we become friends, they come back repeatedly, we get the opportunity to model the love of Christ and relationship, a friendship in Christ, and then we get the privilege to share Christ 
So we are a very, very relational organization. We have dozens and dozens of volunteers who, who get trained, and then they are the advocates that when our clients come in, they meet with our clients. Um, they uh, work through a series called Bright Course, which is, they are educational videos ranging from everything from how to potty train your toddler to um, deeper issues like people who are struggling with maybe shame, um, maybe uh, people who are in abusive relationships, um, dealing with issues of domestic violence. So it runs the whole gamut um, of how to have a healthy pregnancy all the way through personal and spiritual issues. And when those clients come in, they get a one-hour appointment, they can watch these videos, and those are just a springboard for deeper conversations and opportunities to pray with the people who come into our center. I just want to tell you that we have had a great increase in men coming to our center lately. They're coming for classes, they're coming for client advocacy, and we've also had a great increase in men who want to volunteer and be a mentor type figure to the young men who are coming into our center. In our last parenting class, we actually had two young men who were going through parenting class. One's, uh, one's um, had actual custody of a newborn because the newborn's mom went directly into drug treatment. And he had no idea what to do, and he wanted to be the best dad possible, and so he was coming to us to, for help so that he could uh, begin to step into that role. We have, I would say from you know, my view back um, to 1999 when I first got involved with APS, um, I think we have more men involved than ever before. And, and that's one of our initiatives this year is to really begin to minister to men um, to help them to understand God's role for them as a head of their families, as um, um, to be fathers and to be husbands. Um, marriage is not real popular uh, to the um, clientele that we serve, but um, we, are, we really feel called to do this. Um, okay, so back to uh, what else we do. Um, Everything that we present, we undergird with Christ. Because we know that we can give you diapers, we can give you formula, we can give you parenting education, but it's almost like putting a, a, a Band-Aid uh, where a, a greater need exists. Where, and the greater need, we all know, is that people come into a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that that will be the internal change in their heart, in their life, that will work through the way they live out their life. So um, we always have that on the forefront. Um, Pastor Morgan asked me to tell you a little bit about our new location. Um, we recently, in October of last year, we moved into the old Robinson Mansion uh, in downtown Akron. It's actually one mile east of our old location. It's on the corner of Bookdale and East Market Street. That mansion was built in 1905. The Robinson family lived there until 1939. Um, and when they, then they sold the home 
and the mansion became a Crittenden home for unwed mothers. So from 1939 till 1973, the year that abortion was legalized in America, two to 3,000 women lived in that mansion, that home, for unwed mothers. They had their babies and either went on to place them for adoption or to parent them. It's a pretty incredible story about how we were looking for a new location and our landlord became Tony Tropy, who is a developer of historic properties. And at the same time he bought our building, he bought the mansion, and he was going through, he's a believer, and he was going through the history of the mansion. And when he realized that it had been a place that had helped so many women and children, the little light bulb, the God light bulb came on. And he said, I think Akron Pregnancy Services is supposed to come here. Um, when we first saw it, it was in great disrepair. The building had been abandoned for over three years. The ceilings were falling in. The, um, uh, it, it was just a real mess. And so it took a great leap of faith and vision uh, to believe that this was where we were supposed to go. We worked on it for three years with Tony, and we moved in last October, and it has been a complete blessing, 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 blessing. The location is close to Middlebury neighborhood, where some of the um, most extreme situations of children being removed from their home and being placed into children's services um, custody are from that zip code. Um, in that neighborhood as well, um, there is a very high rate of infant mortality. Um, and so we are very close to a neighborhood, uh, urban neighborhood that very much has a need for Akron Pregnancy Services. We've always met the needs of urban clients um, as well as people surrounding the inner city. We're two blocks from the University of Akron. We know that people in the University of Akron are getting pregnant and they need um, assistance, they need guidance. We're also very close to the refugee and immigrant population in Akron, which is just one or two exits up Route 8 from us, and we are seeing a tremendous number of uh, refugees and immigrants, many, many people from um, Africa, uh, different countries in Africa, um, Nepali, the Nepali population, and the Afghani population. And so we're having an opportunity. Uh, we've actually had women come into the center um, in full burqa. Um, and um, not only are they in this country where they don't know our language, they don't know how to navigate life here, they also don't know how to navigate pregnancy and parenting here. So we have a huge opportunity um, to assist. So I feel like God put us right there at that location for such a time as this. Since we've moved um, into the Robinson Mansion, um, our client advocacy appointments have increased by 100%. This year between our center here in Akron and our center in Canton, we had 1,117 people um, come for client advocacy and um, appointments. We had 2,797 people um, attend, uh, excuse me, 2,797 class sessions attended. That's huge for us. 
Uh, we are really, really busy, and God is giving us great opportunity to impact people for life and abundant life in Christ. It's very exciting. Also at Akron Pregnancy Services, we have a ministry called Hope and Healing, and we uh, reach out uh, to women and to men because, um, as Pastor Morgan said, you know, women are impacted by abortion. We have millions of women who have been impacted by abortion, but we also have millions of men who have been impacted by abortion, and the ripple effect into our families and into our communities is huge. Lots of people keep that uh, secret hidden their whole life. We minister to women and men who are post-abortive. We welcome them to come into intensive Bible studies um, to um, learn about Christ's love and forgiveness and to help them walk through the healing process from past abortions. We also have healing ministries for people who have had miscarriages, who have infant loss um, and other losses in their life that they really need the, the love and the ministry of Christ to overcome. Um, <clears throat> additionally, we have a Bible study that's called Unbound, and that's helping people who have had issues with their sexual past to navigate that through God's word and um, his healing and his forgiveness. So very, very, um, very, very much life-oriented organization, but we also understand that people have made other choices, and we want to be there also for their healing and their reconciliation back to Christ. Um, one of the scriptures this morning was Psalm 40, um, and Psalm 40 is one of my life verses. And um, I didn't plan to share this, but since the verse was shared this morning, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry, lifted me from a slimy pit out of the mud and mire, set my feet on a rock. Jesus gave me a firm place to stand and put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to him. And that's what brought, that's my journey with APS. Came there. Um, needing healing and recovery um, and post-abortive. And um, he met me in that, and look how he's used that. Um, changed my whole life. So if you're sitting here today, and I know that if the statistics are true, one in three women have um, experienced abortion, and you've never gone through healing for that or um, shared your secret, I would encourage you to contact me and um, I'll get you with the right people to help you walk through healing. The second part of um, our expanded ministries has been the medical aspect. Akron Pregnancy Services used to, uh, we, we all recognize that when someone can see their baby on an ultrasound, a sonogram, that the, that the reality that, oh, this isn't just a clump of tissue, um, you know, some of the lies that have been told um, when, when people come to that reality, then um, a lot of times they will choose life. It will change their idea about what's happening um, uh, in their body, that this is a baby, that um, this is a child. 
And um, so I'm pleased to say that we have opened EVA Women's Clinic. We opened it in March of 2020. And if you remember what March of 2020 was, that's when everything in the world was closing down for COVID. And we had just uh, gotten a new place on South Arlington Road. I finished painting the building with my family uh, the week before, and then suddenly the whole world was closing down. Well, we opened because we knew women were still getting pregnant and still needed help. We have a medical staff of a RDMS. We have a um, nurse an RN who runs our program for us. Um, our advocates are trained and paid advocates to have conversations with women who are um, abortion-minded or abortion-determined to help them to truly understand the choices that are before them and to have honest conversations and guide them towards life. Now we know that all we can do is guide them towards life and every person has their own choice to make. Um, and our, our sincere hope is that, you know, that their hearts will be captured for Christ and for life. But if they're not, we're still there for them on the other side of an abortion. This year, our medical uh, services moved into the Robinson with us. We operate under the name of Eva Women's Clinic. And that's um, intentional so that we can draw abortion-minded and determined women through our advertising and our Google paid search. Um, this year we, um, we have two EVA centers, one in Canton and one in Akron. We saw 319 um, ultrasounds this year. We did 518 pregnancy tests and there were 346 life choices. We can celebrate that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so far what I've told you about in the movement is the, what I call the ministry side of the pro-life movement, the medical side of the pro-life movement, and there's also what I call, lovingly, the marcher side of the pro-life movement. APS has never been, um, um, how do I want to say it, they've, they've never been wants to go do sidewalk advocacy or to be involved in um, anything legal or um, uh, they've never been um, involved in that way. We do have organizations that are involved in that way and um, I'm thankful for them. They're part of the pro-life movement but it's just not really um, who APS is. But one thing I do want to say um, today is with the reversal of Roe v. Wade, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of confusion in the church. There's a lot of confusion for our clients. And so I just want to speak to that briefly this morning. The reversal of Roe v. Wade that took place on June 24th of this year did not make abortion illegal. Okay. Abortion is still legal. Abortion is still happening in Akron, Ohio, and all over the state of Ohio, and all over our country. It is not illegal. What the reversal of Roe v. Wade did was simply put the decision for abortion law into the hands of every state. 
initially in Ohio when Roe was reversed, a trigger law went into effect which made abortion in Ohio unavailable after six weeks or after a heartbeat. Quickly after that, it was challenged in the court of law and right now that our trigger law is held up in court, which means we've reverted back to our old abortion law, which means in Ohio you can get an abortion up till 20 weeks of pregnancy, which is half, the halfway point of gestation. I will say I've seen lots of premature births happen with our clients, and I've seen lots of babies who have survived being born at 22, 25, 26 weeks. Abortion is still available in Ohio. Classically liberal states, like where, uh, I should say, where big cities are, like New York, Chicago, um, places in California, um, abortion is now available up until birth, and partial birth abortion is um, legal and available. This year, after the row reversal, Planned Parenthood has invested $1 million in mobile abortion units to um, be parked around the borders of states where abortion is illegal. And lastly, I just want to inform you that the abortion pill is now um, responsible for over 50% of abortions that are uh, taking place. I heard a woman speaking last week. Um, she had actually had th three abortions, and she said the abortion um, that she experienced with the abortion pill was by far the most traumatic. No medical supervision. Uh, she took the abortion pill and had her abortion in her own bathroom. Um, didn't have any counsel or um, assistance and uh, her place of trauma she revisits every day, multiple times a day. These are the realities of what are going on um, across our land, across um, our state, across our city. And um, so um, I'm not asking anyone and I'm not called to go and um, march or stand on a line anywhere, but I am called to pray. And I am called to do a portion of this ministry, the, um, the, the medical portion and the ministry portion of this ministry. And um, I hope that for everyone here that they will at least be called to prayer. Um, <coughs> I also wanted to just say, um, In the pro-life world, people will fight um, with apologetics, either for life or against um, life. And they'll talk about the size of a baby. They'll talk about the level of development. They'll talk about the environment, whether the baby is in the womb or out of the womb. And they'll talk about degree of dependency. But today, I want us to focus on sanctity. The quality or state of being holy or sacred. 
consecrated, better and different than, set apart of great value and worth. And we as Christians generally contend that human beings are valuable in virtue of the kind of thing they are, creatures endowed by their creator with an unalienable right to life. We are created in the image of God. Amen. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir. (laughs) And I want to um, end my time with you today with a little devotional that I'm working on. And I call it Behold the Child. It's just after Christmas, and you know, it's like the Christmas season is so beautiful. And, um, you know, we put the nativity scene away at the end of the holiday season, and we turn the page from Christ's birth, and you get a few pages chronologically, and we meet two characters in the scriptures. And so today, I'm going to talk to you about two people, Simeon and Herod. And their response to the child. Now, this wasn't a child made in the image of God. (laughs) This was God. And here's the way that they embraced Jesus. Now there was in Jerusalem a man named Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. He was looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And he came, led by the Spirit, into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him into his arms and praised God, saying, Now, O Lord, you will let your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to shine upon the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. Behold the child. And then we have another character. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the days of Herod the king, wise men, remember them? 
I don't think they showed up at the manger. I'm pretty sure they didn't, right? And they traveled. I think when, when Jesus was at the temple for his purification, it would have been at 40 days um, after he was born. And then sometime after that, maybe up to two years, it's presumed, these wise men came to Herod, the king. And they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. Now Herod was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. I don't think I ever read that before until this year. All of Jerusalem with him. And having called together all the chief priests and the scribes among the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And in Jerusalem of Judea. For thus is written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are in no wise least among the principalities of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will be a shepherd to my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the, men, the wise men privately to say, hey, when did the star appear? I want to go worship this young child too. Well, when the king, the wise men went out and went their way, they found the child, and it says they fell down and worshipped him. And they offered gifts of gold, of frankincense, and myrrh. And then they didn't return to Herod and report. They went on their way. Of course, also Joseph then receives a dream and is told to depart and go down to Egypt with the child and Mary. But that Herod, when he realized that he had been disregarded by the wise men, was furious. And he sent and killed all of the little boys in Bethlehem and the surrounding countryside who were two years and two years old or under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled the word spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah wailing and great lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they were no more. One looked at Jesus with the greatest joy. One looked at Jesus and praised God and recognized that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. One looked at Jesus as a threat, as something to be done away with because of his pride and his power, his need to control, and his own earthly kingship.
I feel that I have been as Herod and I, I have been as Simeon. And the difference is my spiritual condition and where I position God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Church, let's contend for the hearts and souls of lost men and women. Because we can be ministers, we can be medical, and we can be marchers. But until the hearts of people are turned to our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I'm afraid that we're stuck in an argument that no one wins. So church, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your service. Thank you for the way you give. Thank you for the way you love. Um, someone told me before service that some younger people, um, your, your, the kids are here. Younger people are coming. And um, thank you for contending for their hearts, for their salvation, and for their souls. I just want to say um, just one little quick thing, and that is that we are starting um, Baby Bottle um, initiative here. It's a fun, easy way to begin to get involved with APS. Two things, if you would like to sign up for our e-newsletter so that you can be in constant um, contact with us. I shouldn't say constant, but monthly. <laughs> you can get updates. Um, I'll have a clipboard that you can sign up for those e-news notifications. Uh, we are doing tours once a month right now of the Robinson Mansion, so it's a fascinating, gorgeous house. But what's even more amazing is what's going on inside of it. So I invite you to that as well. And as you leave today, if you'll take a bottle. Some of you haven't had these around your house for a while. Neither have I, but I'm praying that someday I'll get some grandkids. Take a bottle. Uh, put some coins. Fill it up with coins. And don't worry, you know, there's $50 million worth of coins, billion dollars worth of loose change in the United States right now. I'm not looking for all that. Just what's in your couch, your ashtray, your coin uh, uh, jar. If you don't have coins, we certainly do appreciate bills. Uh, we like checks as well, made out to APS. Put it all in there, fill out your receipt, and return it to the church. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to pick those up and sincerely appreciate that. Thank you for your time. It's sobering. And we only celebrate this once a year, but it's all year long that we need to be at heart in prayer and all year long that we need to be keeping ourselves aware of how we can um, contend with the Lord for life. So glad you are here. Blessed to be uh, focused well today on Sanctity of Life Sunday.
just as we were beginning, uh, Pam texted me and said, hey, I got a story I want to tell uh, that the Lord's put on my heart, so I'm asking her to come up and just share a little bit about how her daughter came to be a part of her family. So um, I spent my uh, professional career as a surgical technologist, um, surgical assistant. So um, back in 1990, on a Saturday in January, I was uh, assisting in a C-section. And during that time, you talk. And, and I said to the doctor that was doing the C-section, if anybody ever comes into your office and they want to give up their baby, we, we'd like another baby. And I had been praying for another baby. And our first daughter um, was adopted, and she was already almost 10 years old. And so that doctor said, yeah, 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 that just doesn't happen. And I said, OK. Well, the next day, Sanctity for Human Life Sunday, I was at work, and she called and said, you have an eight-pound baby girl. So she was born at a different hospital. She said, come up and see if you want her. Like, like you go, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I called my husband and my daughter. They came up. We went over to, it was Deaconess Hospital at the time, went over to Deaconess Hospital, and um, met our baby girl. We took her home in four days after that. And Levi, who comes to church with us, is her son. And, and the birth mom was a 17-year-old frightened girl in the Ukrainian community, um, from out of the Ukrainian community in Cleveland. No prenatal care. Her family didn't even know she was pregnant. So God is so sovereign. 